Eye on the Empire, episode 345. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. What's up, everybody? Ray Eaton here, your host of Eye on the Empire. I don't know if you noticed that. But I changed the name, changed the logo, changed all that good stuff. It all it actually matches with all of the logos and things that I use on Facebook and on the website as well. But I went ahead and changed the name over to I Am The Empire. That was my intention originally anyway, so I appreciate you joining I Am The Empire. This is Ray Eaton. I am your host, and what is I Am The Empire it is about taking a libertarian look at the United States, taking a libertarian look at the United States government and the things that it does internationally as well as domestically in order to uh, just get a get a general idea of, of what liberties are being taken away from you and what we can do to change the world towards a libertarian direction. I guess that's where I'm going to go with this thing. But I'm going to cover the news and events of everything that's going on, just like I have been doing, so nothing's really changing. Uh, I just wanted to change the name of the uh, the podcast so it would kind of fall in line with a future going forward. So that's why I did it. Anyway, uh, let's move on, though. I don't, we don't need to talk too much about that. A lot of you guys have been following the show for a long time, so I appreciate that. And you guys already knew about I and the Empire as well. Uh, but we'll still be talking about the president. We'll still be talking about the presidential election. We'll still be talking about... Joe Biden, once he becomes elected, uh, or once he becomes, I guess, uh, inaugurated into the office on January 20th. So uh, it's actually going to be fun following a, a Democrat candidate, because for the last two years I've been following a Republican, a Republican president. So it'll be interesting following the Democrat president, because I remember back when Barack Obama got into office in 2008, you know, that was, it was a highly charged time. It really was. Uh, not quite as much as when in 2016 when Trump got into office, but in 2008, Barack Obama gets elected, and we're in the midst of a a uh, the the financial crisis. Right, you had the bottoming out of the real estate market, the crash, and all that stuff. And then Barack Obama comes into office in January, and for the first three or four months, the continuously declining stock market was really affecting things. The unemployment rate started was already skyrocketing and it's continued to skyrocket through September and then all of a sudden they want to go ahead and push forward some random bill called the uh, the Obamacare or the uh, Affordable Care Act and that kind of threw an uproar into the community as well as across the United States where the Tea Party movement started happening because everyone started all of a sudden becoming really concerned about the national debt, the spending, and all the bailouts and things of that nature, which they didn't give a crap about that under George Bush, but all of a sudden, they all come out of their shells and they all care about the uh, financial solvency of this country all of a sudden. 
which is actually good for a lot of the libertarian movement. You saw a lot of libertarian-minded people start to come out of their shells in 2008 through 2011. Even Tom Woods, who is a libertarian, had several New York Times bestsellers around that time as well. The uh, Meltdown book as well as a few others. So... That was actually a good time for the libertarian movement, so maybe this will help out the libertarian movement having somebody who is a, a Democrat in office, but you never know. I mean, it always goes back to normal, and the libertarian movement of 2008 through 2012 with Ron Paul movement and stuff like that, I do think that that Tea Party movement ended up being hijacked by a lot of different... Uh, I don't know, a lot of different ideologies, and then it ended up leading to the Donald Trump movement, which was that nationalistic sort of movement, that Donald Trump, that populist nationalist sounding movement that uh, Donald Trump has been an advocate for. So, uh, but I came out of that movement and got a little bit more liberty minded as well. I, you guys probably know that I was into, like I started to become a libertarian around 1999 or so, and I was a wishy-washy libertarian through about 2010, 2011, around that time, maybe 2012, is when I really started to question a lot of things that were going on in the government, especially the wars and stuff, and that's when I kind of uh, moved towards a stronger libertarian position where I am not voting for George Bush or voting for uh, John McCain or whatever, but I start getting to the point where I'm gonna, you know, be a little bit more idealistic in my in my viewpoint. So that's where that's where I came from. But that's gonna be fun trying to cover the next you know four years or so, especially with all of the craziness that these people are gonna try to get through. You know, like they want to do this whole great reset idea that this international, this international, uh, what is it, the World Economic Forum or something like that, they're trying to push this whole agenda of a great reset, which is going to get people to f get the entire economy of every nation to get on board with climate change and working towards, you know, sustainable environments and all this stuff and this whole central planning idea that they have of eliminating poverty, eliminating hunger, and it's going to be a top-down approach to make that stuff happen. And I really don't see, I mean, you guys, you guys being libertarians know that top-down approaches don't really work too well. Uh, top-down planning in general doesn't work that well. And when you have a world, you know, a group of so-called experts that are sort of making these, making these decisions and trying to push an agenda there's always a financial interest behind that. There's always corruption behind it. There's always this desire for power. This The international bankers in some ways are behind that, you know, and that's not a good thing. That is definitely not a good thing. They're trying to manipulate the government. And you see all the manipulation that happens right now within our government when it comes to corporations and what they're doing. And we don't need something like that. We don't need something like that. But Joe Biden with his Build Back Better plan and all that stuff, I assume that somebody like him is on board with this whole idea of this Great Reset as well. And you see the way they talk about it, you know, this whole Green New Deal thing, like it's becoming an idea that people are taking seriously now versus something that people laugh at. So, and that kind of gets me into what I wanted to talk about for a little bit today, which was 
the idea that there is a lot of collusion between government and private enterprise. If you haven't noticed, Facebook, Twitter, Google, Microsoft, all these companies basically collude together to determine what's fact, what's fiction, what they consider fact, what they consider to be the truth, what what news they think is relevant. And they try to silence other stuff as well, other dissenting opinions. The people that agree with the 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 I guess the standard opinion or the mainstream media, those people are happy with it. They're like, okay, that's great. Go ahead and silence those things. And the reason why they're okay with it is because they, they agree with it. But you do have these companies, they're colluding. And I, I posted an article on I and the Empire a couple of days ago, and also on the Facebook page I posted as well, just talking about how those companies are colluding to determine uh, they're working together to determine how they're going to approach feeding you the information about the coronavirus vaccine and trying to get the public opinion swayed in a positive direction towards taking the vaccine. So they're colluding in some way to determine what information is relevant to you and what information you should see. They are. And the people that are okay with this stuff they're saying, yeah, that's a great thing that the government and these companies are working together to get this information out there. But that's a propaganda wing. That's essentially Mao, Zedong, or Joseph Stalin could not have a better situation on hand when you have four companies that basically control the internet or control the communication among the civil, civil the civilians in a country. So Soviet Union, if they had Google, Twitter, Facebook, Microsoft, if they had those companies that are willing accomplices to basically say what the government tells them to say, that is the best propaganda wing that a dictator can have. Absolutely true. And though that that's basically... A terrible, thing, a terrible thing for free speech when these companies can sit there and collude and do what the government tells them to do, and they're totally willing to do it. And our government is going to continue to put pressure on these companies to do similar things in the future. It's a precedent that's been set. Yeah, today it's good, positive information about taking a vaccine that, yes, probably can save a lot of people's lives, especially the older and the frail people. So you want to have the older and the frail people have a positive impression of taking a vaccine that's going to help them in the case that they get, they they come in contact with somebody that has COVID-19. Like, I'm not an anti-vaxxer by any means. I don't want to be the first one to take it by any means either. And the reason why is because it's been rushed through, it's been pushed through, and usually it takes, you know, 18 months to two years, even 10 years to get these things approved to see if they're, they're safe, see if there's the efficacy there, that it actually does what it says it's going to do. Like, there's a lot of testing that they do. And maybe the FDA makes them do way too much testing, I do agree with that. But to rush something through and then, you know, six, seven months, nine months down the road, they already have a vaccine ready. I don't want to be the first one to take it. I'll let 
the frail and you know, I'll let everyone else take it in that way, you know, and then take it down the road if if that's the case. But I don't think that I would need to take it anyway because I'm a relatively, you know, middle-aged male that's relatively healthy. But these companies, they're colluding with the federal government at this point for that. But what's the next thing that they're going to collude with the federal government to do? What's the next thing that the CIA or the FBI or the government officials or the Republicans or the Democrats start pushing on these companies to do? What's the next agenda? That's the problem, right? And then I was thinking about it even further, and this is what the show, this is what I really want to talk about today, really briefly, is that 67, I started looking at this, 67% of schools right now use Google Classroom to teach because you have a situation where COVID's happening. And my kids, for example, they go to school and they are on Google Classroom every single day. Yes, it's a platform that's being used in order to teach the kids. But there's resources in there. There's learning stuff in there. There's other things in there besides what your teacher posts on there. And I'm sure the next step is to give those teachers other resources that are pre-approved by Google. Or maybe even get the textbooks on there through Google. Like the next step for them is to be an educational company as well. Buy up some of these companies that make the textbooks and so forth. And then sell those on Google Classroom as well. Turn it into a money-making endeavor more than it is now. Like the idea of Google Classroom is to grow, to encompass the students and give them a better way to learn, I guess. But then again, we're dealing with a company that is colluding with other companies to tell you what they can tell, what you should know. We're dealing with a company that is influenced by the federal government and the dollars that come in to tell you what you should know. Where does that stop? What's the next step? What better opportunity would Mao Zedong have in China than to have a company like that that has 70% of people or students being brainwashed into his viewpoint? Yes, very little... You know, like, very little dissent at that point. You could kind of look over and see what all the teachers are doing. It's electronic, right? You can't go into every single classroom in 1960s China, 1950s China, and see what they're teaching. Yeah, you can get the Communist Party on board and pressure the schools and force the schools to teach a certain curriculum, but you can't see what the teachers are doing. But now, in this situation, you can what better way for Mao Zedong to get his message through? What better way to brainwash the students? What better way to teach kids from the time they're kindergarten through 12th grade exactly what they need to do to be a good citizen? And then, on top of that, the rest of it, Microsoft. So Microsoft has like 27% of schools are using their program as well. I don't think that's good. I think it's a little bit scary that we have two companies that have almost 100% market share in what your kids are teaching or what your kids are learning in school and what the teachers are teaching. And it's the platforms that they're using, basically. But those things grow. Those things are meant to be profitable. They're meant to 
increased profit. So they're going to add more and more and more to that curriculum or the offerings that they have. And then these are companies that have been willing to collude with the federal government on certain things and are actively doing it now. They are actively pushing an agenda to get people to be on board with the idea that there was no election fraud at all. I generally, you guys know this, I don't believe that there was election fraud to the point that it's going to change the outcome of the election. There's probably, just like in any election, 2018, 2016, 2012, all these presidential elections, there's always a little bit that goes on in certain districts here and certain districts there. You might find a couple hundred votes here, a couple hundred votes there. You might find a thousand here, a thousand there in different states and in different counties. But you're not going to find 160,000 votes for Trump in Michigan to overturn Michigan. You're not going to find 80,000 votes in Wisconsin to overturn Wisconsin. You're not going to find 110,000 votes in Pennsylvania to overturn Pennsylvania. And you're not going to find eight or 9,000 votes in Georgia to overturn Georgia. You might find five or 600 in each of those states or 1,000 in each of those states. But you're not going to be, you're not going to have a slam dunk for Donald Trump. So I, you guys know I don't believe that. You're going to have a change in the presidency. Now, Donald Trump is doing other stuff to try to keep that foothold going, keep the doubt going that people have. And you see his followers online, they, they don't want to hear anything. I mean, I was, I was posting stuff like, I don't see any facts. I haven't seen anything that would convince me otherwise. And someone posts this thing that says, here's the facts. And it was like a checklist of different things that he says are facts that I didn't see anything that showed what those facts are. He just kind of gave a list of, oh, well, there was people that were dead that voted. Okay, a couple hundred of them in each state. But these companies, this is getting back to my point, these companies like Google and Facebook and Twitter are actively, actively silencing those people who are raising doubts about the election. Now, those people are free to express their views, I think, and those companies are free to try to clamp down on those views. That's fine. But these companies are actively doing it and suppressing certain opinion. And they're also dominating almost 100% of the, of, the, uh, of the students in America. So I would say that if a company is getting money from the federal government or the state governments, they should have some sort of rules they have to follow in regards to freedom of speech and so forth, Right. These companies are actively silencing certain voices. And, and, that, and maybe right now, maybe today, say people would say, oh, yeah, well, they should silence those voices because they're you know, trying to spread something that's not true. Well, whether it's true or not, that's determined by the courts, that's determined by people's opinions or whatever, right? Whether there actually was some sort of election fraud, sustainable or long, you know, something like that. But getting back to my point, these companies are actively 
silencing certain voices. And they had been before the election. They're doing it now. And you can see it because I was, if you just type into YouTube, um, because I did it last night, it was basically um, proof of election fraud. And I was just trying to get the, basically I was trying to get like the tinfoil hat guy's opinion. I just wanted to see the graphs, the charts, what they're saying is the election fraud, right? I wanted to see how they expect to win this entire argument. And literally, you go through page and page and page and page and page of YouTube, and it's all negative towards election fraud. Like, oh, there's no proof of election fraud, or it's been disproven that there's been election fraud. It's been, like, every single article, every single video that you saw was saying that it's been disproven, that there's no... um, that there's baseless claims, that Trump made a baseless claim of election fraud, as if it's been tried in court, as if it's been thrown out and all that stuff. Which a lot of those cases have not. So there's no way to say baseless when it's a claim. So you have to get into court and see. But anyway, these companies are actively trying to silence a certain thing. And then in return, they are also in charge of what your kids are learning. So this thing is a terrible thing. I really do. And I, maybe you guys don't see it my way, but um, I, I think that most of you guys would see that my way as well. Uh, it's something that we need to worry about. I think that from a standpoint of being a parent, it's something that we should be looking into uh, with our school boards if your kids go to school and stuff, just to let them know, listen, I'm not okay with a company that's silencing specific opinion that is now going to be in charge of what my kids see in school and the reason why i'm not okay with that is because it's not what's happening now it's what can happen in the future it's the next step and then the next step and in a hundred years when they have more control over what the kids are learning and and they're more colluding with this with the government at what point do we get to the point where there's a dictator in charge in the united states the Democrats would say there's already a dictator in charge in the United States, or a totalitarian, or a fascist. But then the Republicans would say, well, look at the fascist that's about to be put into charge, put in charge. Look at the socialist that's about to be come the president. So they're scared of that. And what we should be scared of is the entire government, because that's the collusion that happens between government and business. And when you have that merger, that is when you have fascism, Right. So anyway, let me move on to a different focus, and that would be our coronavirus uh, outbreak that's going on right now. Listen, guys, Thanksgiving week, man, um, we don't, you guys know my feeling about lockdowns, you guys know my feeling about the way that things are going right now, right? Um, I'm not okay with the lockdowns, I'm not okay with the idea that the government should shut down businesses, I think that people should use personal responsibility going into this entire situation, right? I do. Coronavirus kills people. Maybe it's not the 250,000 people they say it's killed. Maybe it's 200,000. Maybe it's 150,000. But it's still a deadly virus. It's still killed more people so far in the last flu season than the flu did. And in this flu season so far, it's killed more people than the flu has. So, maybe you should be a little bit careful. Um, Especially... Not you if you're younger. 
But especially if you're going to like your grandparents' house or somebody that's over 65 or over 70 or somebody that who is um of a high risk, you know, that's all. Maybe you should just be concerned in that situation. Take personal responsibility. That's what libertarians are all about, right? Personal responsibility. We are. I don't think that masks are 100% effective, but they might be 25% effective. So I, I hate it when people say, oh, there's no proof that masks are effective whatsoever because they there's actually studies that have been done. 2012, there was a study that I read, and it says that they're about 27% effective for like a surgical mask. N95 masks are way more effective than that. But a surgical mask, 27% effective. And I think a fabric mask they did or something like that was like 16 or 17% effective or something like that. So... In that sense, maybe in those higher risk areas, wear a mask, you know? And I'm not saying that the government should force it. That's not my case. I'm saying personal responsibility, you know? That's all. The, the COVID crisis that's going on right now, the main part of the crisis is the fact that the economy has been destroyed by government officials who have decided that they think that they know better than you. And they're trying to use force and they're trying to pressure things forward. Now, obviously, the economy would have slowed down a bit anyway because people are going to make different decisions based upon their risk assessment. And the risk assessment right now is high in most people's minds. So they're not going to go out as much and do as much stuff. So just take that into account. You know, that's all. That's all. You guys know how I feel about the government using its strong arm in this situation. But... I always preach personal responsibility. I'm being responsible. Me, my wife and I, we went out and got coat. We have uh, some some people coming into town this weekend, and uh, two of them are like right around 60 years old or so. So uh, we went out and got COVID tested, you know? Both of them are negative, so that's good. So, uh, and I, I'm actually not leaving my house really that much this week as well. I'll be working from home, so I'm not too worried about you know, catching between now and then, but I just wanted to be safe. I wanted to be sure that if my in-laws come over, they're not going to catch COVID from us. They're over 60. So, um, I'm, uh, I don't think that they're like super high risk, but, uh, we'll see, you know, I just didn't want to be the, the person that would give it to anybody. So, uh, not saying that, not saying that there's a hundred percent chance that they're not going to get it, but, you know what? It's all about personal responsibility. So take that into account when you're going out this week. You know, just, you know, you don't need to sit there and, uh, and, and fall for all of the BS that's going on with the government and the mandates and the lockdowns and all that stuff. But just, you know, take personal responsibility. That's all. Uh, that's all I got for you guys, though, because the reason why I say that is just because cases are spiking. But with cases spiking, you also have the testing spiking as well. Like, they they've did 2 million tests, and they had a, almost 200,000 people that were uh, tested positive. That's about a 10% positivity rate. That's still a little high, but not as high as it was in South Carolina at the peak. It was like 22% when we were having our peaks. So there are different peaks and different valleys at different times for each state, you know, each area. New York and New Jersey and Connecticut, Massachusetts, they had their their biggest spike in April. Lots of deaths in April as well. The South had their spike in the middle of the summer. That was when South Carolina was seeing 22%. Now it's the Midwest. The Midwest is having the biggest spike right now as well. But all the other places are still spiking now too. 
So just, um, you know, take that into account. I don't, I don't say get out there and, and, uh, just act like it's normal because it's not guys. It's really not. Um, but personal responsibility, that's all I preach all the time. And you guys know that. So anyway, I appreciate you joining me, man. Uh, keep on coming back to eye on the empire. That is the name of the show. Now keep on sharing it with your friends. You've been doing that. And the numbers of listeners keep on going up. So I appreciate that. And uh, check out eyeontheempire.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Parlor through at eyeontheempire, all right? And then the best thing you can do, though, is to come on back on Thursday. Oh, wait. Thursday's Thanksgiving. Didn't even think about that. Come on back next Monday. I'll, I'm going to go and skip the show on Thursday because I will have family here from about Tuesday or when Tuesday on. So uh, I'll skip that show. But I'll talk to you guys next Monday so you can have clear vision for... 2020. I'll have to change that name. I'll have to change that outro as well. Clear vision for 2020 doesn't make sense anymore with, with it being Eye on the Empire, but uh, for now, so you can have clear vision for 2020. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism advocate for a free market and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to eyeontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to eyeontheempire.com slash liberty.